0: want to lay a foundation because i did get one email from a friend of mine right after the 9 a.m service and she was offended said it sounded like you're picking on us pastor sounded like you felt like you were picking on me like i gotta do more be more try harder and she basically said i can't do what you do i'm not you and i was able to respond to her and say oh i'm sorry that that's how you heard the message because nobody can be me because nobody is me you're supposed to be you because god made you you As a matter of fact, as I get older and older and humbled, I was going to say humble, but humbled, I'm getting humbled by life, as I get humbled in the presence of you all, I find myself more impressed with God's creation in each and every person that I see. I see his handiwork in you. The Bible says in Genesis 2 that he made man and woman in his image. And as I see you and see what God's put together, I think, it's fascinating, that God made you. Psalm 139 says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made, that God knit you together in your mama's womb. He put everything together and he stepped back and he said, I like it. The Bible says that in Ephesians chapter two, you're his poema, his masterpiece, his poem, his project. He made you a man. He made you a woman. He made you young. He made you old. He made you tall. He made you small. He made you exactly how he wanted you. Listen, Ephesians 2.10 goes on to say, to do good works that only you can do. Nobody else can do them. They've actually been preordained for you to walk in. And so I helped this lady understand. I said, no, no, don't be me. I said, you gotta be you. You gotta be you. And I began to think this through. How can I clarify this? So lest anybody gets discouraged or disengages from this reality that you're part of the body of Christ. Here's your homework assignment and you should be taking notes tonight. There's gonna be a lot of scriptures for you to chew through and to chew on and to talk through with your life groups this week. And the first scripture I want you to read tonight before you go to bed is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, the whole chapter. First Corinthians chapter twelve talks about the various gifts that God gives to His body in its uniqueness, in its differences, and He goes on to say in First Corinthians twelve, we're not all gifted the same. As a matter of fact, some of y'all gifted different. Look at the person next to you and say, "You're different. You're different." Look at him and say, "You're different." Some of you guys need a shirt that says, "I'm super different. I'm extra different. We're different." And when you realize this, like Paul said in First Corinthians twelve, your homework assignment: if all were the eye, where would the hearing be? And if all were the nose, where would the seeing be? We can't all be the mouth, the eye, the ears, the nose of the body of Christ, but instead he's made us uniquely, specifically, and purposefully different. We celebrate each other's differences. And as you guys decide to then say, I'm me, okay? One time I was at a pastor's retreat with my pastor, Mark Anderson, about 20 years ago or so, and he was talking about the uniquenesses of our callings and he said in the ministry you you ultimately have to find your own style you got to be your own person you got to find out who god made you to be and when i heard that i wanted to throw up a little bit in my mouth because i was insecure and i was immature and i didn't want to be my own person i wanted to be the successful men and the successful people that i'd seen in my peripheral i wanted to be like them and yet god's not going to anoint. i'm going to say it he's not going to anoint and bless you if you're just trying to pretend to be somebody else I actually believe the Lord's going to anoint and bless you as you get more comfortable in who you are, okay? And be your part of the body, your story, your testimony, your experience with him as you stand firm on the foundation of God's word and declare his praises to the people just as you are, okay? Don't sing somebody else's tune. Be you. But how are you going to do that? And we looked at that last week. We're going to look at it as a competitor, as somebody who's going after it, who's leveling up, who's going to be the best you that you can possibly be. And the verses I gave you, I'm not going to give them all to you. And if you missed last week's teaching, go back and listen to it. And if you get offended, you can email me too, and I'll just put it in my spam folder. Go ahead and send that to me. Some of the verses I put out there last week, that was Jeremiah 29. We're there when the children of Israel were in Babylon, in captivity, not living at home, where they're not supposed to be. Jeremiah said, when you're there, what I want you to do is I want you to pray for the peace of the city you live in, okay? I want you to take wives, build houses, I want you to do things. And he goes on to say in Jeremiah 29, because I know the thoughts I have for you, thoughts of a future and a hope, peace and not of evil. Then check this out. This blew my mind. On Monday, I taught that sermon on Sunday. Monday came around, I grabbed my Bible, and I said, you know what? I haven't read Ezra in a while. I'm just going to pop into Ezra, see what Ezra's up to. It's been a a minute. So I open up to Ezra, and I read chapter 1, chapter 2, and chapter 3, and I didn't even know the connection. And in the book of Ezra, what's going on is the children of Israel are now being delivered, released from Babylon, where they got the message from Jeremiah to pray for the peace of the city, and they get back to Jerusalem, and the first thing they need to do now back home is build the temple In order to build the temple, they need moolah, and so they take an offering, and everyone reaches down, and guess what they've been doing for 70 years, okay? Working. And so when they get back to Jerusalem, they got lots of money, Babylonian money, and they make an offering, and the amount of money that comes in is able to then put together this worship service, and I saw it so crystal clear. It's like, that's what you want us to do. We're not in our home on earth right now. We're not supposed to be here. We're going to be like in Revelation chapter 4 and 5, go to heaven, there's going to be a worship service, and the things we do here count the crowns we earn, the things that happen when we get to heaven, we're going to throw those at Jesus' feet. I'm going to heaven. Now what? Get after it. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. We talked about that. Jesus said in John 15, my father's will for you is that you produce fruit, It'd Be a fruit producer, more fruit, produce more fruit, and much fruit. Jesus wants your lives to be as fruity as possible, Fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit. He wants you to grow. Galatians chapter 5 defines fruit for us. It says fruit is love, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, meekness, and self-control. Against such, there's no law. There's no limit. You can go as hard as you want in this thing called Christianity. You can produce as much fruit. You can pull that slot in Jesus' name, As many, not at not the casino, but in Jesus' name, and, and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things for Jesus. And so these crowns, you guys, are our opportunity. It's our privilege. It's our choice. To let our lives be purposeful while on earth in order that we might find ourselves of value in heaven. I hope you're not misunderstanding this because I'm gonna be honest with you. I don't like teaching lessons like this. And some people say, man, it's all about Jesus, dude. Why are you complicating with crowns? Because it's in the Bible, you know. I'm just reading it as it is. Let me read to you what I read last week and then we're gonna get into all six crowns uh, successionally. Verse, uh, nine, uh, chapter nine of 1 Corinthians, and verse 24 says it this way. Paul says, do you not know that Those who run in a race, they're all running, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate or disciplined in all things, and they do it to obtain a perishable crown. It's just gonna fade away. But we for an imperishable crown. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty, Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I myself should become disqualified. Paul again uses this illustration. Guys, we're in a race, we're in a fight. There is a battle, there is disqualifications, there is rules, and we gotta show up and we gotta run and race hard. Now this is where the teaching ended last week and I continue to develop this thought. But the reality is, I think this underlying attitude of I'm going to heaven, now what? needs to be applied to the rest of the crowns and the diversities of the giftings here. Some of these crowns that I'm gonna teach you today, and I believe there are actually more that maybe even the scriptures don't afford us, but that when we get to heaven, God's gonna say, I saw you. I saw you grinding it out over there. I saw that benevolence. I saw that kindness. I saw that mercy. I saw your service. Here is some more wealth for you to take to heaven. Listen, to build this service of worship, to throw down at Jesus' feet. Now let's make sure we're all on the same level here. This idea of worshiping at Jesus' feet, falling off your throne, casting your crowns at his feet, receiving that crown again and throwing it back at his feet, is that confusing to anybody else? Does that really make any sense? It doesn't actually make sense in my mind. I'm just going with it because the scriptures say it's gonna happen. I'm trusting the Lord gonna work all that out because a couple billion people tossing crowns could make a mess. I'm just gonna trust the Lord though. Because like we talked about last week, the things in heaven, okay, they're right. The things down here and the way our minds are put together, they're broken. They're wrong. We see finitely. We see through a glass dimly. And so I'm going to read to you a few verses, and you should be in Revelation chapter 5. Go backwards with me, four verses, to verse 9, two verse, three verses. It says, Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him, who sits on the throne, And worship him who lives forever and ever. And they cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. John was given this picture of a future event in order that he would be able to disseminate that message to the churches in the book of Revelation on how they're to navigate their lives until we get raptured into heaven. This is what we're doing, this is extra innings. Today, as a matter of fact, after the 11 a.m. service, I drove home and was exhausted and took my family out to Mexican uh, Taco Bell. And uh, as we went through the drive through there, and as I left, I just felt convicted. I felt the Lord wanted me to tell, and I felt, this is after the fact, but I felt the Lord wanted me to, to tell the lady that was working there that, that Jesus loved her. Just that simple, just tell her. Like, Luke, you missed a crown. It was an opportunity just to tell her, and I was like, man, that's my bad. I I could have just told her that. And there's opportunities in your life as you navigate forward and everything you do to be sensitive to the Lord and say, Lord, is this an opportunity to gather another crown, to do something while in Babylon? Because the temptation is, and I can imagine the children of Israel while in Babylon, man, I just want to keep my head down. Don't look, don't don't make eye contact. You ever go to Fred Meyers and try not to make eye contact with people, okay? You're just like, get the broccoli, get the apples, pretend I'm deaf. You know, I'm not going to listen to anybody that's talking to me. Or sometimes I'll just find myself scanning. Who's here? What's going on? Who needs love? What's what's happening right now? How can I be of service to people? So I'm going to say a quick prayer, and uh, we're going to ask God to bless our time tonight as we rip through these other crowns. Father, in Jesus' name, we're here now. We ask that you would bless us, and Lord, that you would inspire us. I pray, God, that you would give us ears to hear, and I pray, God, that you would anoint my lips and anoint our ears. I pray, God, that you would be honored in what we do. We need you, Jesus. We want to run our race well. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said... Amen. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 are our springboard. And as we navigated through that first crown, it's the competitor's crown, which simply means taking it seriously, getting after it for the things of God. Being those who aren't just sitting back on our blessed assurance, waiting for the Lord to return. And the second crown, this one might actually appeal to us here at the 6 p.m. service, is the crown of righteousness for those who love His appearing. 2 Timothy chapter 4, write this down, I'll read it to you. Paul says it this way, he says, for I'm already being poured out as a drink offering and the time of my departure is at hand. I've fought the good fight and I've finished the race. I've kept the faith and finally there's laid up for me, at the, there's finally laid up for me the crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, but also to those who loved his appearing. Stop right there, Eyes up here. When Paul wrote to Timothy, it was the final letter he'd ever write before he'd have his head cut off. He may have written other letters that we don't have, we're not aware of, but this is the final letter he wrote. And when he wrote to Timothy, he said, I'm ready to be poured out. I've run my race. I've fought my fight. And I'm ready to receive now the crown that God's gonna give to me. Listen, it's the crown of those who loved his appearing. Interesting. The competitor's crown is the crown of people getting after it and fighting and discipline and doing next level stuff. He said, there's also a crown for those of you who just long for heaven those of you who are just tired, those of you who've been fighting hard and you just want the Lord. Did you know the Lord sees you when you long for him? Because around our world right now, there's other things that we long for, other things we're tempted by, foolish things. And when you decide to see through those things and say to God, I just want to go home. I just want to be with you. The Lord says, I appreciate your heart. You will one day come home with me and he'll crown you up Paul would say it this way in the book of Philippians. He said, guys, I just want to go home. It's better for me to go home, but it's also better for you that I stay here and grind it out. But did you know that if you just desire the Lord's presence, it will help you to navigate forward and every single day you wish you were in heaven, God says, I'm going to crown you for that, okay? I study through the book of Acts a couple times per year and every time I do, I'm just so convicted. I'm like, these guys were... Because we're next level, the early church—they were so on fire. How did Paul do it? How did Paul take a beating and keep on going? How did Paul face rejection and keep on going? How did Paul stay focused? You know how? Because he was focused on the things of God, and he set his mind on things above, not on things below. John, who wrote the book of Revelation in First John chapter three, said it this way: He said, "If you focus on Jesus and His revealing, His appearing, you're going to live a different life. You're going to be purified," is what he said. Because if you believe that Jesus could return at any moment, if you believe that this all ends in heaven, if this is the eternity we're going for, it's gonna cause your life to be lived differently. It's called the crown of righteousness for those that love is appearing. The third crown is in James chapter 1, verse 12. Write that down and you can study it with your life groups later. The third crown, it's called the crown of life. And it's given to those who endure testing and Temptation. Raise your hand if you've ever been tested or tempted. Anybody? How about, how about even today? You get tested and tempted today. Man! Did you know there's a crown for those that endure testing and temptation? For those that sense the oppression of the enemy? For those that discern and understand the coaching of the Father in heaven as he tests you? Let me make sure you understand this. Testing and temptation are two separate animals. Testing comes from the Lord. He sees you right where you're at like a coach, like a teacher, and he tests you. Now, I personally don't like tests. I'd rather just chill. I don't want to, you know, get too crazy. And the Lord says, no, I'm going to test you. I'm going to test you. Just like Car and Driver Magazine is looking forward to the 2020 editions of new vehicles. And they'll get those new vehicles, and they'll take them to the Autobahn. They'll take them to the course and to the, to the, the, thing, the cones, and they'll test them. Why? To see what they can do. To write a review and to help people buy the right car. The Lord will also test you on purpose my coaches did this in high school, my coaches did this in college, is they would put me up against athletes in the practice room better than me in order to make me a better athlete. I've shared this with you guys a number of times. Years and years ago, I was overwhelmed with life. Has that ever happened to you? I was just overwhelmed. Can't even remember what it was. And I was reading my Bible about four in the morning and as I came to chapter 11 of the book of Psalms, chapter 11 specifically states that life sometimes feels like the enemy has his bow pulled back and he's about to shoot at you. Psalm 11 tells us that sometimes we just want to flee like a bird, just run away. But Psalm 11 goes on to say, "But you know what? God's in heaven, and his eyelids behold the sons of man. God sees, and the Bible says this in Psalm 11, and God tests the righteous. Now when I was reading that early that morning, I said, "Wait, wait, 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 wait a minute, Lord. Are you testing me? Are you just testing me?" And when I realized in sense that this was just a big test, I changed my discernment. I changed my approach. Oh, okay, well, I'm gonna pass this test because when you pass the test, the test will pass. There's a crown for those who fight under the testing and the temptation. Now, temptation is totally different, okay? Temptation is from the devil. Temptation will be given to you the rest of your entire life. James goes on to say in his book, God doesn't tempt you. God can't tempt people. That's not what he does. But the devil will tempt you. And when you are tempted by the devil to do stupid things or to look at things or to engage in certain things and you decide to not get involved, the Bible says God's going to crown you up when you pass the test, when you pass the temptation. I just want you guys to freak out with me just a little bit here because your life has preordained, preordered testing and temptation that's coming your way. I don't know if you guys know that. When Jesus was baptized in the Jordan River, he came up out of the river and the Holy Spirit anointed him. And the father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. And immediately he was led into the desert to be tempted for 40 days. Hey, that was his first at-bat in ministry. What are we doing? What are we gonna do first? Tempted, what? You know, how's it gonna go? No food, no water. Satan right there whispering in your ear the whole time. Like, I don't know if that's gonna go well. And yet Jesus, our, our rescuer, you guys know how he defended himself, don't you? He quoted the scripture. Every time Satan came at him with a temptation, he quoted the scripture. Every time he quoted the scriptures out of the book of Deuteronomy, that must have been where Jesus was having his morning devotionals, This is in Deuteronomy, and he quoted the scripture to defend himself against temptation. Let me make sure you guys don't think I'm making this up. This is James 112. I'll read it to you. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James was Jesus' little brother. And he knew and knows that the church, you and I will be tested and we will be tempted. And he said, as you decide not to give into the flesh, as you decide to trust in the Lord in your testing and temptation, the Lord's gonna give to you the crown of life. Now there's a little sneak trick that James gave us in that verse. He said this crown of life is gonna be given to everyone, listen, who loves the Lord. I believe the... the victory that awaits every single person with testing and temptation is answered in this one question do you love the Lord more than these what you're being tempted by what you're being tested over do you love the Lord more than this and if you answer that question in the midst of your temptation you will successfully resist the things that are being put in front of you I guarantee you it's a matter of which one you're going to love more in that moment James goes on to say in chapter four, he says, when the enemy comes your way, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw near to the Lord and he'll draw near to you. It's the one-two combo punch that never fails. Resist the enemy and he'll flee from you. Draw near to the Lord in love and he'll draw near to you. Guys, there's a crown for those of you who get tested, for those that you understand what's happening in your temptation. This actually excites me because I'm a young man in the fight and the devil hates me. Okay? And he's constantly tempting me. Constantly, I don't know if he t- constantly tempts you. He constantly tempts me. And when I remember John chapter 10, Jesus said, I'm the good shepherd. Okay? I come that my sheep would have life and life abundantly. That's what I'm doing. But the thief, he comes to steal, kill, and destroy And so Jesus puts it out there plainly. he's like, hey, just so you know, when the devil's tempting you with something, he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Like, I don't see a lot of return in any of that steal, kill, and destroy. Sin will always take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you're willing to pay every single time. And yet the Lord says, I've come to give life and life abundantly. I just want, that's what I want to do. And as you double down with the competitor's attitude and say, Lord, I want the crown of life. I'm gonna resist sin and temptation. How? By resisting the devil, he'll flee, but I'm gonna draw near to you in love. And my life is gonna be sweetened. Well, here, I'll tell you what the fourth crown is called the crown of leadership. And this is called the crown of glory. Uh, 1 Peter chapter five, Peter writes to the pilgrims, to the sojourners, to the church that was persecuted. And in chapter five, he specifically addresses the elders of the church, the leaders, and I'm gonna read it to you as such. It's a word that Spike speaks to me as an elder, as a pastor, as a leader, but it also speaks of a leadership principle to every single man and every single woman. But I'll read it to you in context. Peter says it this way. He says, the elders who are among you, I exhort. I who am a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that will be revealed shepherd the flock of God which is among you, serving as overseers, not by compulsion, but willingly, not for dishonest gain, but eagerly, nor as being lords over the people entrusted to you, but being, listen, examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that does not fade away. Peter says to the leaders of that church, guys, I want you to lead well. I want you to lead willingly. I want you to lead with an example. I want you to lead with love. And when the chief shepherd appears, the word chief shepherd means senior pastor. When Jesus Christ, the senior pastor of the church shows up, he's gonna have a crown of glory and give to the leaders of the church. Now, again, this applies to elders, to deacons, to deaconesses, but not just people in those offices, but anybody really who has the DNA of Christ invested in them. Did you know you all have leadership influence in you right now? Somebody's looking at you. Somebody's watching you. Somebody's making their decisions, their assumptions based on your life. Now, if you're me, you know that. You know you're a leader. People are looking at you in that way. But I fear that some of us sit in the pews, in the chairs and think, well, it's not me. I'm not a leader. Nobody's following me. Nobody's looking at me. And Peter exhorted these leaders to live a life exemplary of Christ. Did you know if you do that? If you choose to step into that leadership role, okay, maybe somebody's watching me. Maybe my life counts. Maybe it matters. Maybe I have influence. Jesus says, I'm going to crown you up. What you do now matters. People are looking at you. Let me just give you the number one basic, easy principle of leadership, okay? Find somebody dumber than you and tell them what you know, okay? That's leadership, okay? It's not hard for some of you guys to find somebody dumber than you. You just find somebody dumber than you, you know, tell them what you know, Share share your story You're not perfect But you've been there Done that Want me to tell you What's going on And how I made mistakes here Leadership I remember when I was About 19 years old Maybe 18 And my dad put his hand On my shoulder And he said I need you to help me Lead this particular event At our church There at the Newport Foursquare And I looked at him Like he was crazy Like why why do you want me to help I was living a rebellious Lifestyle at the time And didn't want to participate And didn't want to help And yet God Had put a mantle Of leadership on me And my dad saw that And so he treated me like a leader, and he asked me to lead, and God would eventually get my attention, and I would say, yes, Lord, use me however you see fit. There's a crown of glory for the men and women who say, my life counts. I want to have influence. I want to have purpose. I want to lead. Did you know even tonight you can repent of your selfishness, your weakness, your excuses? We all have excuses. I don't want to do that. It's too much investment. It's too, too risky. Who, who am I? I'm just a failure. God loves to use failures. Okay, failures who have been restored. Failures who have surrendered their life to him. A matter of fact, if you read the scriptures, I don't think you're going to find a leader, man or woman, that doesn't have failure in their life. Failure is a prerequisite to being redeemed by Jesus and to be used. It's the crown of leadership. Letting God use you. This is why we encourage people to get involved in Sunday school or life groups or our campus groups. Anything you can do to lead others. The fourth crown is the crown of leadership. The fifth crown is known as the crown of soul winning. And I like this one because God's given me the spirit and the gifting of an evangelist. This is sharing your faith with others. This is why I was convicted when I went out to Taco Bell today and I didn't tell the lady there that Jesus loved her. Let me give you two verses to back this up. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse nineteen. Paul says it this way to the church at Thessalonica. He says, What is our hope or joy? Or crown of rejoicing? <laughs> is it not even you, in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Stop right there eyes up here. Paul says, You want to know what my crown of rejoicing is? It's people in heaven. He was talking to the church at Thessalonica. If you don't know the story, when Paul got to the church at Thessalonica, he went to the synagogue and he preached Jesus and they beat him up and kicked him out and they were gonna kill him the next day. Like it didn't go well for him. As a matter of fact, his buddies Silas and Timothy and and Luke, they put him on a ship and sent him to Athens, Acts chapter 17, and he was by himself for a little bit. And in Acts chapter 18 and 19, he finally went to Corinth and finally Silas and Timothy show up and when we get there, they tell him something crazy. They say, hey, remember those guys in Thessalonica that wanted to kill you? Well, turns out there was a bunch of people that actually appreciated the message and a church grew. And when Paul heard this, are you kidding me? The people in Thessalonica? Man, I thought they hated me. You know, first impression, you know. And the church grew in Thessalonica and the Bible says when he heard that word, that people had received the word, he was filled with courage there in Corinth and he preached the gospel with boldness and many people got saved. So cool. How did this happen? Because Paul knew Paul heard that people he had prayed for, people he had supported, people he had labored for were walking with Jesus. And I want to encourage you guys, there is a soul winner's crown. When you live your life on purpose for other people, for your grandkids or for your sons and daughters or for your church or for your people that you work with, anybody, doesn't matter when you live for other people, God says, I'm going to crown you up for that. There's going to be a crown of rejoicing. When we get to heaven, I promise you, every single person you prayed for, every single person you witnessed to, every single person you baptized or led to Jesus or brought to church that makes it to heaven, you're going to see them like, no way! There's going to be a crown of rejoicing, and you're going to worship Jesus forever and ever. So here's my encouragement. Don't stop loving people. Don't stop reaching out. Don't stop trying. I feel like they hate me, and I feel like I'm getting beat up. So did Paul! He did get hated and beat up. You guys probably aren't getting beat up at all. You're probably fine. And the Lord would encourage you. Here's another verse out of Philippians 4. Paul says, therefore, my beloved and longed for brethren, my joy and crown. So stand fast in the Lord, beloved. Oh man. If you guys don't know what happened in Philippi, you got to read it. Paul went to Philippi and he met Lydia there at the riverside and baptized her and her whole family. And a couple of days later, he was arrested for healing this poor little girl who was enslaved in human trafficking. And and he got imprisoned. And while he was in prison, he got beaten and put in the lower prisons, And his back was wide open with Silas there. And they were worshiping at midnight. And the gates and the chains were broken through an earthquake. And the jailer gave his life to the Lord. And the whole place in Philippi got saved. And here's Paul writing to the church of Philippi. He says this, man, you guys, you guys are my joy, my rejoicing. Even as Adam Durkin put the pictures up of the Mackles in Costa Rica, who I've spent time with, they actually came to, to Newport last year and we took them out to the tap house and had lunch with them and prayed for them and we give them monthly support. And, and what a joy to know we're partnered with other people that are impacting the kingdom of heaven. The soul winner's crown. Let me give you two Old Testament verses you can chew on as well that uh, should shape your life. Daniel twelve three, Daniel said, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament and those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever and ever. You want to shine like the stars forever and ever? Turn many people to righteousness. Pray for them. And I'm not even going to ask this question with a, with a response, but have you, have you been rejected? Has your faith been rejected? Have you been criticized? Have you been mocked? Have you been shunned? The answer is probably yes. Okay, well, I'm not doing that again. I'm not telling that Taco Bell person Jesus loves them because Jesus might not love them. You know, you, you're, you think that way, you know, because they're mean to me. Listen, Paul's our example okay? Daniel says, wise are those who turn many to righteousness. The Proverbs say it this way, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. I believe some are called to evangelism, some have that gifting, that charisma, but I believe we're all supposed to have a heart that beats for others that don't yet know Jesus. That's why you're here. The great commission is to go into all the world and to preach the gospel. So if you've been witnessing, if you've been sharing in it, Has gone well, praise the Lord, okay? There's gonna be rejoicing, crowns for you. If it hasn't gone well for you, don't give up yet. Don't give up. You don't know the end of the story. And here's the best part about being a a witnesser of Jesus, a soul winner, here's the best news, okay? That it's not actually your goodness that you're sharing. It's not actually your power. It's not even your promises, okay? You're declaring the good news of God, You're just the the middle man. Like God is good. God is coming. God forgives. God loves you. God accepts you. God has a plan for you. And if people reject that, it's still true. You don't even have to worry about it. I've been a salesman before trying to sell things that maybe were a little iffy or sketchy or maybe I have to back this up. Okay, you don't got to worry about the Lord. He's going to back his own word. You just declare his word. That's simple. I think it's Mark chapter four says, the sower goes out and sows the word. And then he goes to bed, and he wakes up, and the next morning there's growth, and he knows not how. It's not your problem. Your responsibility is to tell that lady at Taco Bell, Jesus loves her. Last crown, final crown for the night will be done. It's known as the crown of martyrdom, or the martyr's crown. Revelation, these are for those who laid the crown for him and his kingdom. We learned this a couple weeks ago when we read the church at Smyrna, Revelation 2.10 says, do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. Indeed, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison that you may be tested and you will have tribulation 10 days. Be faithful until death and I will give you the crown of life. We know that that was a message from Jesus to the church that would go through a heavy persecution. Millions and millions of Christians would die in the first and second and third centuries through the next 10 Caesars. And Jesus says, when you give your life, in death there's a martyr's crown that word martyr though is where we get our english word witness it's the same word for living your life denying yourself to death dying to your flesh anybody still have flesh left a little bit a little bit of flesh a little bit of evil desires okay willful (laughs) self-interest me and four others yeah we got it And the Bible gives us an opportunity. It says, put your flesh to death. Crucify yourself, Galatians 2.20. It's not you who live anymore. It's Christ who lives in you. And this is a daily decision. And I believe that there is a martyr's crown for those who give the ultimate sacrifice. Most of us probably won't die for Christ in that way. It's just not gonna happen. We're Americans. Unless you travel the world and get abducted and something weird happens, that's probably not gonna happen to you. They say on average anywhere from 125 to 175,000 people worldwide do get killed for Jesus. It gets a large number. But for us here tonight, and as we end this service, what if it's the Lord says, hey, I'm going to give you opportunities to deny your flesh for the glory of God and the good of others, to do the right thing. It would almost be easier to stand up and say, I'm a Christian. Have your way and have your head cut off then it would be at times to say, I'm a Christian, therefore I'm going to do the hard thing. Instead of dying for Christ, I'm going to live for him. It would almost be easier to die than to live for Christ. And I put that on you tonight. God wants you to live for him. Well, it hurts my flesh to stay in this marriage. It hurts my flesh to stay in this ministry. It hurts my flesh to stay holy. It hurts my flesh. Deny your flesh. Live for Jesus give your life to him be a witness in a difficult situation and let me just tell you something if you choose to stand for christ as he would have you to stand as a bold martyr witness for him and to endure the difficulty whatever it is for him not only will be there a martyr's crown for you but there will be life abundantly right now having it your way doing your thing appeasing the flesh it's not going to take you where you want to go it's not going to do it it never will Last night before I went to bed, I was reading out of Fox's Book of Martyrs, Jesus Freak Edition. Have you ordered your copy yet? Amazon.com, you can order it tonight. It'll be here tomorrow. It's crazy. They're shipping out of Saletz now, I hear. <laughs> it's not true. But you can get that. And I was reading last night, and a quote came up from Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was hung in the Nazi concentration camps. He was a German national, he wasn't a Jew. He was a German national that was resisting his own government. He said, You guys are, this is nuts. And because he was against Hitler and his own government, he was arrested and imprisoned. He was actually a free man. He lived in America. He was a pastor, and he'd escaped. And he felt guilty that he was living free while the atrocities were happening in Germany. So he traveled back to, to attest and go against his government. He was arrested. He was actually hung 10 days before the war ended and everyone was released. Just 10 days early, his life was taken from him. And before they hung Dietrich Bonhoeffer, he's quoted as saying this, the end has come life begins you hear that for him the end was here i'm getting hung it's over and in reality he knew this is where the beginning of life actually starts he willingly laid his life down and i promise you if you deny your flesh what what your flesh wants to do right now what's your flesh want to do what do you want to do that's against the will of the lord that's against his purposes, that's just for you. Jesus says, if you deny your flesh, lay it down. There'll be a martyr's crown for you in heaven, but there'll also be life for you beginning right now. I'm gonna have Pastor Ryan come on. He's gonna lead us in a song. We're gonna take communion. And as we do this, we get an opportunity even tonight to say, Lord, I just wanna be one who at least decides and desires to understand the crowns a little bit I'm going to heaven, now what? And by the way, I'm so excited to go to heaven, okay? I think it's gonna happen soon. I think the Lord's return is nigh. The Bible says it'll be as the days of Noah before Jesus returns. That there'll be rebellion and chaos. The Bible says in the New Testament that men will be lovers of themselves, seekers of pleasure, deniers of God. All of these things are happening at unprecedented levels. And I'm still here grinding it out as you are raising my family, trying to do my best. And the Lord says, I'm gonna give you some direction because I don't just want you to get saved for free, which by the way, all this is free. Jesus saved you for free. The sixth thing out of Jesus Christ's mouth when he hung on the cross was te telestai. It's finished. It was a phrase used in those days to announce the beginning of a new era, that one era had ended and a new one was beginning. Te telestai, something new was happening. Christ said that. It was a phrase that you would use when somebody had sent you on a mission and you had completed the mission and you would come back and look him in the eye and say, te telestai, I did what you asked me to do. Jesus said this to the Father. It was also a phrase where if you had incruited debt and you were making that final payment, you would look at your debtor and say, Te telestai Jesus said this Guys we are saved by grace And not of works It is a free gift Lest anyone should boast And if you're saved here tonight okay, Glory be to God But your life There's opportunity still For you while living in our present Babylon To bring peace to this city And to bring fruit In order that when we're relocated to heaven We have something to worship Jesus with That's the simple message So I'm going to ask you guys to bow your heads and close your eyes And I'm gonna give you an opportunity to rededicate your life to Jesus. If you're saved, you're once saved, you're always saved. It's what he does to you. It's what he did for you. But your life is your responsibility. Your life is your responsibility. What are you doing now? Paul said, work it out. Fear and and trembling, work it out. So if you're here tonight and you would say, Lord, I wanna rededicate my life to you. Lord, I wanna be a competitor for the crowns. I wanna be one who knows. Lord, I volunteer. Would you just raise up your hand right now and just say, Lord, I, I, I do it right now. I want to rededicate my life. I want to rededicate my life. You saved me. I'm not getting re-saved. But Lord, I want to re-engage in the things of God. And I'm putting my hand up as a volunteer. Lord, would you use me? Would you enlist me? Would you put your Holy Spirit upon me to be a crown getter? Because in getting crowns, we're equipped for heaven. And in getting crowns, Lord, the world around here has peace. Our lives are better. We live on purpose. Everyone should be going after these crowns. Not with selfish motives and weird stuff in your mind. Raise up your hand and just say, Lord, show me use me what my hand is up to i volunteer in jesus name i repent lord of my selfishness my laziness my apathy my lukewarmness all the things that creep in over time lord i repent and if you've got your hand up just say i repent i repent lord and the bible says times of refreshing come from repentance where we say lord start over with me i'm already saved but lord let's go ahead and get after it again my life is yours you can put your hands down lord as we come to the table now We remember that all of this was purchased by your blood, by your body, broken and spilled for us. That what you did is enough. And so we build upon the foundation that is Jesus Christ. Be honored in this time as we celebrate your death and proclaim, Lord, your return until you come. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.